is my Bible. I believe it's God's word. I believe every word is true. And it is all that I need. I don't think last week that I, I um, gave you these few promises. I don't think I did. I think I did it Tuesday morning, but I don't think I did it on Monday night. And so I just, I mean, there's so many promises in the word, but I if I've been really taking a look at some of these, and I know that if I really stand on them, you know, like we sing, stand on the promises, that it would absolutely change. It would change how, how I handle a specific right now. Um, and, and here, I'm just going to give you a couple of them that he promises. Now, when he promises... What do you know when, when you hear, and you've said every word is true, and it is all we need, when you know that he promised you something, do you really believe, and there's that word again, do you really believe this? Jesus keeps asking, because if you really believe that promise, like this one, for instance, I will, he says, I will be your strength, and so when we start feeling that, that either inadequacy or that weakness or that down or, or whatever condition that human nature wants to take us down that wrong, that worry. And I mean, I mean, even all you have to do is listen to the news tonight. And if you can stand on the promise of him saying, I will be your strength and then another one is, I will, I will never, never forsake you. I will always be there. Now, again, this is nothing new. And maybe it's a little redundant because maybe we talk about this a lot. But I am starting to really understand that I could say the words, but, my, but the way I was feeling didn't quite match up to what I was saying. I wasn't really standing and trusting these promises when he says, I will be your strength when you don't have any. I mean, Paul even said that. In my weakness, he is strong. I used to sing a song, probably one of the best songs I've ever sung, was his strength is perfect when mine is gone. I uh, I could wail that one. I mean, I just love singing that one. Because I just, it was such a song that reminded me that, and how often don't we feel weak in and of ourselves? And then, but, but he's saying, no, my strength is perfect when yours is gone. And then to really believe that I'm not going through this alone, that I have God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who is working with me on this, and he will never leave and then, and then to hear this promise, I have plans for you. You're not a mistake. You're, you're not living in the middle of coincidence and happenstance. No, you are my child and I have plans for you. And sometimes my plans for you are going to be hard for you to understand. Because it wasn't your plans but to stand on the promise is that I have a 
God who has plans, a sovereign God who knows me so well and has plans for me and has plans for you. And this was another one I just needed to keep hearing. I will hear your cries. When you call out to me, I will hear to know that he is listening. And when you cry out for whatever reason, or call out, or, or if, you, if you're in a good place and you're praising him, but I'm even reminding myself that I am, he is worthy of praise even when maybe my natural self doesn't feel like praising, he is worthy of praise. But to remember that he will always hear me. He will hear. He hears my cries. He hears your cries. Here's another one. And we're, we're going to hear this again tonight. I will give you peace. I will. I will give you peace. And then the last one, and I, I don't know why I put it last, because really it's the foundation of it all, is that we can count on all the other promises because of this promise. I will always love you. I will always love you. And who doesn't need to be reminded of that? We are loved. And, and he proved it. He proved it when we didn't deserve a thing. We have a Savior. He proved his love. So just a couple promises that that we can stand on. Now, again, um, I'm just going to take a minute to just kind of make sure that you're hearing this intimate talk and that what Jesus is trying to do to his 11 and he's trying to do to you and me, he's trying to encourage us in a, in a tough state of life. I mean, he knows that he's sending them out and it's going to be like sending them out to the wolves. And sometimes don't you feel like as Christians, we're being sent out into the wolves and and he's trying to encourage us and show us that um, again the promises and I will be there and I will give you I, I've given you every tool that you need so he's trying to in, encourage he, he's making sure they know he's making sure we know that I am the way so when you when you don't feel settled come to me I'm the way I am the truth. When you're hearing all these lies and, and this is what the culture is and this is what 20, 2020 does and this is what everybody's doing, when you're, you're getting confused and you don't even know what truth is anymore, you don't even know wrong from right anymore. You know, you can't, it's, so, it's getting so hard you can't even hardly tell the difference. So then he says, I want you to come to me because I am the truth. I'm the only truth there is. And then when he says, and sometimes when you just feel so empty and you just even wonder if I'm around, you just remember that I am your life. If you come to me, you will find that I can lift you up. I can bring back what maybe died, maybe you veered off, and so you need to be reminded of, I want to remain in you, and I want you to remain in me, and maybe that's got to be rekindled. I am your life. You're not going to know real life unless you come to me. 
So that's what he's, he's trying to say to them. I'm sending you out, but know that I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And remember that you can ask for anything. You can ask me for anything in my name. Ask me for anything in my name. Because, because if you remain in me and I remain in you, we're going to want the same thing. You're going to want what I want for you because now you know that I have your best interest in mind. So ask anything in my name. I can't wait to, to give you my will. I can't wait, he's saying. I can't wait to make sure that you're in the center of my will. But you got to make sure you want it. So, and then he, he says this. Um, um, I know it's hard that I'm leaving, but, I, and we're going to hear him say it, it it's good. It's good I'm leaving because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit now who will be with you everywhere all the time. And I couldn't do that in this form. So again, you can hear him trying to encourage and, and then he makes sure that they're sent out with the black and white terms. And this is where I think we have just kind of gotten off because we don't want to take God's word as black and white. But he's saying, no, I set up the terms. And so make sure that, that you don't get wishy-washy, that you don't start compromising, that you don't, you know, because itching ears are going to want to hear what they want to hear. And No, you make sure that you know the black and white terms that I've set up. That salvation is found in none other. So, you know, it, again, it's just very direct. And, and I, want, I want you to go out being, being sent, knowing that all I'm asking for you to do is love one another as I have loved you. I want you to just love one another as I have loved you. Now, think about how I loved you. I loved you just the way you were, pathetic mess you were, and I took you just as you are. That's how I want, that's what people need. They need, they need this unconditional love and acceptance. It doesn't mean you're condoning. I, it's like I could hear Jesus this week say, just remind them that I have never condoned any sin. I have never condoned sin, but I will take people as they are. But then another way that I loved you was by making sure you know the black and white truth and that these are the terms and, and you know, this is, you better abide by this. And if you don't like it, well, then that's your choice. And we saw that over and over, didn't we? How Jesus talked to those religious leaders he, he just laid it out there. He said, now it's up to you, you know. And he, he's telling us, he's telling, he's telling them, he said, no, not everybody's going to buy it a hook, line, and sinker. I'm sorry about that, but they just aren't. But remember, when they hate you, they hate me. And that's even more serious. So don't be surprised when they hate you. And when they don't understand you, and don't be surprised. How many times did you read in the last couple of weeks? I'm telling you this so you know ahead of time, so that you're warned, so that you're prepared, that it doesn't throw you off. He's so upfront. 
And then last week, he says, oh, I just want you, I want you to picture this, that I'm the vine, and you're a branch, and you stay hooked to the vine. You're going to get the nourishment and everything that you need to produce this fruit, this characteristic of Christ, that you can be that instrument that I need you to be in your little part of the world. Didn't you love it too when he said, and the prince of this world is coming, but he has no hold on me. Didn't you just love that? I can't, I cannot read that enough because that empowers me. When I read, when Jesus said that the prince of this world has no hold on me, and he has no hold on you or I, when we have that spirit of God himself living within us, so if Satan wins in our life by putting us on our self-road and we fall prey to that, we have no one to blame but ourselves because we let Satan give a hold on us. But when we remain, and, and I'm so glad you said that, Lynn, because I, it is true. He is intimately trying to communicate to you and I how close that relationship has got to stay. And that's why in this chapter tonight, he pretty much says, all this I've told you. And that's why I took the time to kind of go through that. Again, because it's, it's, that's what he means when he says, all this, all this that I'm telling you, all of this I've told you for one reason and one reason alone is that you don't go astray, that you don't go back to that old way. And when he said, you know, in verse 27 of 15, when he said, and you must also testify for you have been with me from the beginning, if ever you wonder if you've got a story to tell, if ever you wonder what, if you're plunked in front and somebody asks you about Jesus and you think, oh no, what am I going to say? I hope that you will let the Holy Spirit remind you of chapter 15, verse 27, when you hear Jesus say to you through his spirit, and you must testify, testify to, to what? To what happened to you from the beginning it's your story. That's all we have to do. We, all we can do is, is say, well, you know what? All I, all I know is that it all started when I took that walk to Calvary because I knew that apart from him, I can do nothing and that I'm a sinner in need of his grace, that I need to be washed in his blood when I realized that I am nothing without him. And that is a humbling confession but that's the beginning. And then, of course, he turns us around and gives us life and gives us his spirit and starts us on a whole new journey. And we should be able to keep building on our story and say, and then this, and then this, and then this. And I've watched me do this. And I, our story, and that's why he said, you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning. You know what salvation has done for you. And you know how everybody needs it because all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And no one is going to experience eternal life without being born again. You know that now. And he's saying, you must be testifying to this. 
There's a lot of church people sitting in pews that, that really don't even have a beginning. So now he says, now I've told you all this so that you don't go back to that frustrated, worrisome, self-centered self that can get so discouraged and so down. And, he, and then I wondered how come he started his conversation like with this, because you look at what he says next. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he's offering a service to God. Then, after I thought for a minute, I thought, no wonder Jesus said, I told you all these things so that you do not go astray. Because if you go astray, and it's all about you, and you're doing it in your own strength, and in your own power, Guess what? When they put you out of the synagogue, and when they start, when, when, when the oppression starts coming, you're not going to be able to handle it for a minute and a half. And I've given you, I've given you my spirit who will help you, what? Teach you new things as well as keep reminding you of what you haven't learned about me and what I promised you. And boy, you're going to need it because it is a cruel world out there. And not only is it a cruel world, but like I said a million times, I think tonight, I said, you and I are fighting a, a human battle with our own self. And that's why he says, I've told you all these things intimately, plainly, because I don't want you to go astray. Hebrews 2 verse 1 says, pay attention to what you've learned, otherwise you're going to drift. That's what the writer of Hebrews said. Sounds like the same words to me. You better pay attention, Hebrews 2 verse 1. You better pay attention to what you've learned or you're going back and you have nothing to fight with. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. Don't be surprised it's going to happen because they don't know me. They don't know my Father. They don't know me. They haven't listened to my words. And, you know, who is he really talking about here when he says, in fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he's offering a service to God. You know, I think, first of all, he's talking about himself because how many are going to cheer when he's finally nailed to that cross and they finally think that, you know, good riddance. But then I thought, I thought of um, Stephen when he was being stoned, pretty much said the same thing Jesus did. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And who's standing there holding the coats of, of the men throwing the stones is Saul, Paul, Who's cheering those guys on? Throw him harder, throw him at his head, make sure he's out cold, make sure that their last breath is gone. He's just cheering away. <laughs> I can't wait till we do Acts next year because I can't, that chapter where Paul gets laid right out there. And that's every one of us. And tell we know we can be as religious as we want to be. and 
rooting for the wrong team, not even realizing we're on the wrong side. So Jesus is warning them. That's going to happen. But they're doing it because they don't know me. They don't know the Father. They don't know my words. They, they didn't want to hear. I've told you this, so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. And again, a warning is to prepare us so that we don't get thrown off, that it knocks us silly. That when it happens, we go, oh yeah, that's right. He warned me about that. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. You know, he knew he was their protector. They were just in that little little territory pretty much. And, and he said, but this is going to be a whole new ball game. That's why I'm sending my spirit as you're all going to be in different directions. So again, he reiterates, now I'm going to him who sent me. I stopped there when I was reading it because I thought, I tried to picture Jesus when he said that and I thought, I bet he's smiling. I mean, he knows that he's got to go through this and he knows he will, but he also knows, that's why the writer of Hebrews says, again, he was able to endure the cross because he knew the joy that awaited him. He kept holding on to what was coming and he knew that, so when he said, I'm going, I'm going back to where I belong. I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asked me, where are you going? None of you asked me, where are you going? Did you wonder? I did. I thought, yeah, they did. They did ask where you're going. In fact, I found, I found in um, the 13th chapter and the 14th chapter, Peter Asked, and, G, and, and Thomas asked, where are you going? So, you know, again, you have to sit and think it through, and then you read in the context. And I noticed that when Peter asked, where are you going? And when, when Thomas asked, they really didn't want an answer. And you know that Jesus doesn't give an answer that's why he said, I have so much more to tell you, more than you can know now. I mean, you know, he knows how much we can take. And after Thomas's question, where are you going? Jesus comes back with, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He knows what, what you need to know first before you can know that. So Jesus, they really didn't ask that question and really want to know. And haven't we learned that he really knows. We can say all the things we want with our mouth, but he can see our heart, and he knows if we really want to know. So that was the, the way I looked at it, because I think when Jesus heard them ask the questions before, they didn't really want to know that he was leaving. So they, then they really didn't want to know where he was going, because they didn't want to even think that. He was going anyplace but with them. So he says, because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. See, you only care about right now. You really don't care where I'm going. All you're so stuck. Remember? Why are you getting so troubled? We get troubled because we get stuck there. We, we, can't, we can't look ahead and think, 
the Lord has something. He's He's got a reason here. Um, um, he always gives me promises to hold on to. No, we get stuck in our trouble. Unless we choose to want to go there. If we, if we want to get unstuck, we've got to want to go to what, he's, what his word says, what he's promised us. Again, that's against our human grain because we just want to get st- stay stuck here. But he's saying, no, I want, I'm telling you these things. I've said these things because you're filled with grief and you're stuck in grief. And I have told you that I'm going to rise the third day, that I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back. Remember, he's saying, I've told you all this to give you such hope, something to hang on to, but no, you're stuck. All you can hear is, oh, he's leaving, and I'm stuck in my grief. See, we can get stuck in our emotions, and we don't even hear the rest of him, of his voice, giving us the promise and the hold on. I'll make it worth your while. But I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. It is good. Good that I am going away. It is good I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, now right, right here, he gives us kind of a another, you know, last week he said, you know, that we can count on the counselor reminding us of everything he said and teaching us all things. Now he's telling us this is another job of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will. This is the Holy Spirit's number one job. His job is to convict the world of guilt in regard to sin. His job is to make us feel so uncomfortable and guilty as we look at ourselves and really see ourselves. The Holy Spirit's job, because see, that's why Jesus said, you know, you didn't choose me. I I chose you by sending the Spirit. Because if I didn't send the Spirit to convict you, to show you the truth, you, you won't. You won't. And remember we talked about last week, and I don't know if if you thought about that, but it's in Revelation chapter 2 to the church of Sardis where he said, if you are not overcome with sin in this world, if you're not overcome, then I will not blot your name from the book. So to me, it says that if he's going to blot our name out, it's got to be in there. How can you blot a name out if it's not in there? How can you cut a branch off the vine if it's not already connected? So because God so loved this world that he gave Jesus, I think he put everybody's name in that book and he put everybody connected to the vine. And in the course of time, if you don't want them, you don't have to have them, but then know that he's cutting you off or he, and he's blotting your name out. And in Revelation 21, it says that only those whose names are, are in the book. 
are getting in. Somehow, sometime during our life, we have got to say yes to Jesus and what he's done for us. And if you don't, chop, chop, blot, blot. That's just the way he operates. Those are the terms. So the Holy Spirit's job is to make sure that we have heard how much we need a Savior. And then rejoice because we have one. You need one and you have one. So that's the Holy Spirit's job. It's to convict you and I and make us feel so guilty that we can't wait and we run to the cross of Christ. And then the next part of the, the Spirit's job It says, in regard, well, let me just read it. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard of sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. So, that's why we need him to make sure that we hear. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. The Holy Spirit's job is to make sure then that we know that we have been made right. The Holy Spirit, once we've been to the cross, the Holy Spirit's job is to make sure that you and I know that the cross worked, the blood worked, the sacrifice was accepted, and that we now live in righteousness. We have been made right. We wear the white robe of righteousness only because of Jesus. The Holy Spirit keeps reminding us of that. You and I are righteous before him. That's why we go to the, to the Lord in prayer and we can come boldly into his presence with confidence, the Bible says, because he looks at us through the righteousness of his son. He sees us as righteous. Unbelievable. And then the Holy Spirit's job is in regard to judgment. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. He wants you and I to know that once we've been convicted of our sin, and once now we know we live in righteousness, we can know that we will not stand in judgment for those sins anymore. And that we can know that the prince of this world, see, this is another great way to wake up every morning. Even though we know that the enemy is out there and real and he's trying to to, um, redirect us and make us fall onto the wrong road and that we fall into ourselves and all that, even though we know that, Do you know that we can wake up every morning knowing that the prince of this world has already been condemned? When Jesus rose from the dead, the devil was defeated. He is doomed. See, this is what the Holy Spirit, and he's trying to say to these loving guys and, and to you and me, he's saying, man, what a way to live knowing that as powerful as Satan is and how much he just loves to get those claws in us, but that he is powerless if we activate God's spirit and that we know already that, that the prince of this world, is he's been condemned. 
I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Aren't you glad that he doesn't teach us everything all at once? But can't you see that he builds, that every week that you come, every chapter that you study, I mean, I know I've said, I said this last week, I am, I am so stunned more and more all the time by a verse by verse, chapter by chapter study, because now, and what is the Holy Spirit? Well, you know, I couldn't believe how much I learned from John 16 this week. But I didn't, when the more that I studied John 16, the more I found, I went back to 15, I went back to 14, I went back to 13, and I watched the Holy Spirit help me remember what I learned in the past, but it all helped me to understand these new things now. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Why would we want to listen to any other voice? He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will only speak what he hears. And who is he taking his words from? Jesus. And who does Jesus take his words from? The Father. See how beautiful those three are fitting together? And again, you can see the Trinity all working here. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Man, those three are all working together. But the beautiful thing about the Trinity is that the Father gives Jesus the words. The Holy Spirit helps us learn Jesus' words and recall Jesus' words. Did you notice how, where, where does, in the, in the Trinity, how do I put this? I don't want to say who's the most important one, or but where does the Father want the attention? Where does the Holy Spirit want the attention? On Jesus, exactly. Because see, Jesus is the one that did the work for, they're all, I mean, the Father came up with a plan, but again, Jesus, that's why people will talk about God and not really get too nervous. The minute you start talking about Jesus, because see, that's where the power lies. Because the power of the cross, that's the power of salvation. Now the Trinity, equal Godhead, equal, all three persons working equally. But you will know that it is Jesus because that's the one that you have to go to to find salvation. And that's why he, he says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, this, said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Jesus said, take what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Those poor guys, huh? <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Uh, that, was, that, was a little, that was a mouthful, Jesus. You know, they're standing there, and they're trying to comprehend all this. All this intimate talk, and 
trying to work their emotions and I mean, they've got a lot going on. And then, then he comes up with, yeah, in a little while, you'll see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Now, some of the disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while, you'll see me no more? And then after a little while, you'll see me. And because I'm going to the Father, they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. The only thing is, and I think what Jesus was standing kind of off a little bit, just listening to them, talking amongst themselves. What in the world does he mean? Can you make sense of that? Nope. Can you make sense of it? Can you just hear him? What is Jesus wanting from them? If you have a question, if you don't understand, what does he want you to do? Ask him. Go digging. Go searching. That's why it says, if you seek, I'll see to it, you find. But I want to know if you're really seeking or not. I want to know if you really want to know. So then Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him, but they didn't. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So then he said, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Can't you just see their heads nodding? Yeah, yeah. I tell you the truth. And here's another one. I, I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world is jumping up and down rejoicing. You will grieve. I mean, he is really upfront and honest, and he's saying, you know, they're, and it's, it's going to be in just a matter of a couple hours, too. I mean, this is, this is right at the tail end. Because next week's lesson, chapter 17, is that prayer. It's such a magnificent prayer. And so you think, when did he pray that? And, and I would dare say, because you know that that Gethsemane prayer lasted a long time. And I know, I know that John fell asleep but he wasn't sleeping the whole time. And I would dare say that he heard Jesus pray for himself, for them, and for all of us. And so when he ends chapter 16, that is pretty much the end of his teaching. And he, he ends it so beautifully. But he wants them, he wants them to know, I want to get you ready because it's not going to be pretty. And you're going to watch what they do to me. And you are going to weep. And you're going to mourn. And you're going to watch everybody else just cheering away. But I want... See, he never tells us a downer like that. I mean, even when he said, and I'm going to die, he never said, he never says a downer without giving you something to hold on to. That's just the way Jesus works. He gets us, I mean, he doesn't pull the wool of, of unreality in front of us. No, he tells us the truth, but then he says, but hold on to this. He always does. So he says, yes, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. 
you don't have to turn to this, but I just couldn't help but think of this chapter that you and I are so familiar with, 1 Corinthians 13. But it reminded me of this verse, the 12th verse of chapter 13. And it goes like this. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall, I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. See, Jesus knows, and again, it reminded me of the, that story in Mark chapter 8, where um, Jesus was, well, the blind man, um, there was a blind man, and Jesus walked him outside the village, and then he spit in his eyes. This isn't the one with the mud. This is just, he just spit in his eyes. And then he said to the man, um, do you see? What can you see? And the man said, yes, I see, I see, I see people, but they're like trees walking. Remember that story? And I know there's some people that think, well, what happened? Did he, did he make a mistake? Didn't it work the first time? Because then when he touched his eyes again, the man could see clearly. But in that same chapter of Mark 8 is when Peter said, or when Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And then who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Well, Jesus believed that. And you're going to see the same. Keep that story in mind. Because, you know, there's so many things. That's why Bible study can never be stopped. Because I think every, every little dimension of Jesus we learn, we see him a little clearer. Because they're making these statements, yes, we believe you are the Christ, but do they really? Because now they're going to, Peter's going to deny him. And, and Jesus is just trying to get them to see, you've come a long way, fellows, but you've got a long way to go. A woman giving birth to a child is pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. I'm telling you, when Jesus rose, and then after Pentecost... Oh, these men, they, their joy was just, the fruit of the Spirit was just oozing from them. They were seeing Jesus so much clearer. And here they had walked with him for three years, saw everything. But, you know, he said, I'm just telling you, as, as, as more and more materializes, you will see, you will see clearer. And no one will be able to take what you have learned and what you know, which gives you joy. No one can take that away from you. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Isn't that something? In that day, you, will, you won't have to ask me anything. You know, that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit and his word. Jesus is saying to these men, I want you to see it's... it's you're going to someday say, I'm glad. Just like he said, it's, you're going to say, it was good that he left us. In fact, 
Are you even, are you, do you think you and I can say it was good that he was arrested? It was good. It was to my advantage that he was beaten, that he was mocked, that he was sentenced to execution, that he was nailed to a cross, that he died in the company of criminals, and that he was laid in a cool grave. I think Jesus is trying to say someday you're going to be glad that that all happened. So then three days later I could, I could rise and defeat death and create in you a whole new life of possibility that was impossible before. And that day you will no longer ask me. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Again, he reiterates. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. They, they didn't have to because he was right there. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Ask. If you want to know, ask. And what does he say? And that's why in the questions I, I said, look how if you ask and then you receive, how that then turns into joy. Because look what you know that you didn't know before. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. You know, he is trying to show them a whole new relationship with God the Father. You know what, fellas, he's saying, you know what, people in the class, do you know that if you love me and you accept me, do you know that you and the Father are just fine? No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I am from God, from him. If you want to know how to be right with God the Father, all you have to do is love God the Son and accept the sacrifice that the Father planned and the Son and the Son fulfilled. Then you are in with God the Father and you are in with me. And we remain tight. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to my Father. They're cut and dried. Then Jesus' disciples said, now you're speaking clearly without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all the things that you did not that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. I think they did make a major step forward in their belief. I think this intimate talk of the last of the last days or for us the last weeks I think it's it's starting to connect. And when he just plainly said, now listen, I came from the Father and entered the world. Now 
I'm going back. I'm leaving this world and going back to the Father. I mean, that's not too hard to get. And they're saying, okay, yeah. Verse 31. Now, this is a interesting. In the NIV version, I don't know what version you use, but in the NIV version, it says, you believe at last. Now, in the King James Version, though, it's a question. Do you believe at last? Now, either way, either way, I think I like it. I like it because Jesus, if, he's, if it's a statement, you believe at last. I think Jesus is saying, oh, I'm glad you've come this far. But then he's going to go on and say, but you've got a long way to go. But he's encouraging them by saying, I'm glad you've come this far. I'm glad you've accepted this much. Because he does. He takes a step by step. But if you take it in the question, do you believe at last? Do you believe at last? He, he's kind of bringing it back. Do you really believe at last? Because he says, a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. He's saying, you know what? In a couple hours, you're all going to run. You're going to all run away. You're going to be scared to death. And you're going to run. So like I said, if it's a statement and he's, he's glad that they at least have come this far, but again, he's reiterating, but you've got a long way to go. He's saying to you and I, whenever we come so far in our belief, with every chapter, that's why I pray, Lord, help us to know you more when we leave than when we came. So he's glad that we were here, that we learned. But if, he, if you think he's saying to you, oh, you don't have to come back because you know what? You got it now. No problem. No, he's reminding you and I said, but you know what? It isn't going to be long before self gets in the way and you're going to start worrying and you're not, you're not going to like my will. So then you're not going to pray in my name. You're going to be afraid to do all that. Because you know what? You still have farther to go. You still have to keep working at this. Or he confronts us and said, do you really believe this? He said, you will leave me alone, yet I'm not alone, for my Father is with me. Now this is how, these, these, this last verse, and, and like I hope I've created a picture for you that you can see these men just intimately walking along and Jesus has got his arm around one of them one time and then another, and he's just trying to get them to understand these most important words that they're going to need but he wants you and I to know this too because we need it so in this day and age. I have told you these things. I've told you these things so that in me, in me, not in anything else, it's only your relationship to me. If you remain in me, if you, if you abide, 
inside in me. If you work at this, it's only in me will you be able to not go astray, drift, because you're going to need it because it is getting tough out there. I've told you these things so that in me, you, no matter what happens, And like I prayed tonight, I am starting to change my mind when I hear people say, well, you know what? Life just happens. You know, the more I believe God's word, the more I see him say that he is in charge of all things. And he knows exactly what we need when we need it. And there isn't anything that happens without his permission, without his reason and purpose, even though we don't see it. But you know what? I can take comfort in that. That I'm just not caught in limbo here. I'm, I'm being directed by an almighty God who has got my life in the palm of his hand and he knows what I have to go through to keep that relationship tight with him. So he says again, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Now, before we leave tonight, I want you to see this because it, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I looked at this and I thought, he's given you and I a choice if we want peace or not. Look how when he says... I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You come to me, you, you may have peace. Or if you want to stay stuck in your trouble, then you won't have peace. The way he put, you may have peace. But look what he says here. In this world, you will have trouble. So I don't care who you are, whatever on the whoever side you're on. I don't care if you're a lover of Jesus or if you're not. In this world, you will have trouble. But if we come to him, he says, I'll give you my peace. I will give you the fruit of my very spirit who will get you through that you can be more than a conqueror because you are convinced that there's nothing that can separate you from my love. Now, you can, you can let the Holy Spirit just keep feeding you with all that, all that truth. And you watch what it'll do with you. It will give you this peace, that confidence, that that's right. Oh, that feels good. Or, if you want to stay stuck in your trouble, because in this world you will have trouble. Up to you whether you have peace or not. But I'm offering it to you. Then look, he says, but take heart. Don't you love that? But take heart. He didn't say take your mind. He said take heart. Take heart because it's in your heart that what's in your heart will come out of you. 
What's in your heart? Is the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit able to work in your heart? Is he able to reveal to you what I have said and what I've taught you? Are you standing on my promises? Because if you are, take heart. Because I have overcome the world. What a way, what a way to to end his intimate talk. What a way for you and I to hear him say, can't you, I just, I'm sure he had just the smile and this confidence on his face saying, take heart, you're going to have trouble here. Yep, come to me, I'll give you peace. Take heart, because I have overcome this world. And you'll be able to be a part of the new heaven and the new world because all this old stuff is going to be gone. And it's going to be you and me dwelling together with all the saints forevermore. Amen? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, you